You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Marcelo Franco, founder at Bervic Capital and previously the co-founder of Sax.com, the largest e-commerce company at the time in South America that at the end was acquired. And in this episode, we'll talk about how Marcelo got Sax.com to be so big, how he bootstrapped it before the bootstrapping was kind of a mainstream thing, and also how he moved to the United States from Brazil. So Marcelo, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Verve Capital. Awesome. Uh, well, it's a pleasure for me. Uh, first time <laughs> being uh, interviewed here. And yeah, I've been living. What what, what, what do you want to know first? <laughs> we have a lot to talk here, but uh, first, uh, when I moved to to the U.S. or before the U.S. history? What do you want a little first? Um, let's start with the recent history. So since you moved to the United States, just some brief overview of what you've been doing with the uh, Verve Capital specifically. And then we'll move on to talk a little bit more about sax.com. Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, I decided to move to the United States uh, in 2013. Uh, it was a combination of factors at the time, uh, including some political problems going on in Brazil, Instability on the economy and a re-election of a not very uh, good president uh, at the time, and uh, combined that with a serious heart attack that I had, and that by a few minutes I almost uh, lost my life. And oh damn! Was, yeah, that was a, a crazy event. I was in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. Uh, not knowing if I would make it or not. And with a six month old baby daughter at home, uh, happy marriage, you know, and all those things after having that great liquidity of this, uh, of selling my company. So that was, that that kind of uh, mixed a lot in, a lot of mixing, mixed feelings in my my mind and decided to go for a, not a sabbatic, but uh, to, to, to live a dream that was to live in the U.S. as a Brazilian, mm-hmm. I always uh, appreciated a lot the, the, the American way of life and the way the Americans do uh, business. And I, uh, I didn't have the opportunity of living here when I was younger. So, yeah, it was like a, a, a great combination of trying to, to, trying to find a, a new place. Nice. I already came up with the title for the episode, Living the Dream. <laughs> or living the American Dream, to, to be more precise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about how you got here. So first, let's let's talk about Sax.com. You started before the dot-com bubble. You've actually led it through the dot-com bubble. You survived and you did make it uh, the largest e-commerce company in the entire South America at the time. So could you tell us a little bit more about, especially this you know, turmoil period where you know, there was the dot-com bubble uh, unfolding? How did you manage to survive that? Yeah. Uh, First, actually, you, I forgot to ask you, what, what was sax.com doing? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, it was, the, it was a e-commerce of perfumes and cosmetics. Mm-hmm. It all started uh, with my family business at the time. I was early 20s. And I decided to launch something on the internet. It was the 
great bubble at that time. We didn't know about it, but everyone was talking <laughs> about in the college. Everyone was talking about doing something in the internet um, and, and, and about internet. People didn't realize much what, what was it, but they they knew for sure that they, they, they had to do something and <laughs> almost like a FOMO, you know, <laughs> you have to do something. Otherwise, you're going to miss out something here. And to be very, very honest with you, I think uh, what allowed us uh, not to die during that bubble and, 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 and surviving and therefore creating a, a nice company was the fact that we had no third party investor or, or any investment of, of, of someone else in the company. I think that that was a. That was harder for us at the time because we were competing with, with people with a lot of money. But mm -hmm. in the end of the day, we, we, we never had that, that problem of having excess of cash and therefore screwing up uh, with the money, you know. Uh, and believe me, for a 20 years, 20 something year old uh, guy, it's very easy to make uh, silly moves and, and, and spending <laughs> the money in a, in a not proper way, you know. And, and we never experienced that so every step we did we always had to think on on the on, on, on the the health of the company so i think this is a big shift and this is what i try to bring here to work and when i met my first when i first met the founders one thing i tried to figure out is if they they have this humble uh, uh within them and this willing to 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 make it not just to to go on a stage and to be very uh, let's say linkaging famous or mm -hmm. something like that. You know, you really have to to desire, have to to to. Otherwise, it's it's difficult enough. <laughs> true, true, true. Very true. So yeah, let's let's talk post dot com bubble when it kind of you know leveled off, everything normalized at the end, like two thousand one, two thousand two. Did you eventually uh -huh. raise any money for Saks dot com to expand it, or was it like fully bootstrapped? Yes, uh, it was fully bootstrapped. I confess that I only learned this <clears throat> this uh, this word after I saw the company. We, <laughs> we, we didn't realize during our journey that we were bootstrapping. But <laughs> that, that's what we were doing. We never had any dollar of of not even our, our families helping. You know, they they kind of didn't believe much on what we were building there because <laughs> at that time to sell perfumes, uh, it was something that people had to smell it before buying. Uh -huh. <laughs> how are you gonna how are you gonna make it through the internet? And that was so fantastic about the journey because we we, we quickly realized that what sells is the brand. It's not the the smell, it's not it's just a matter of the way you're selling it, the way you're showing mm -hmm. it. So that was a big big lesson and and we took it from there. That's really cool. So, you know, looking back at that journey, even post-dot-com post bubble, do you think you should have raised money eventually just to accelerate this growth? Or do you think you've done everything just like perfectly? Uh, absolutely. With, with, with the mindset I have today, I would love to have raised money. It would make <laughs> things much easier. But I confess that at the time I wasn't ready at all. And mm -hmm. As I said, this is one of my concerns now uh, through Verve Capital is to make sure that the founders are ready to ready to get to get funded because it, it changed completely the the game after you have some mm -hmm. money on the bank and when you have to bootstrap it. True, true, true. Very true, and that that's always that's my standard recommendation before you know before raising money, try to leave off bootstrapping for quite some time, try to generate revenue, and then Absolutely. only if it's you know just like 
accelerate the growth, then you raise money. So Absolutely. good point here. So let's talk about the immigration to the United States. I always love to talk about this because I'm an immigrant myself. So can you tell us a little more? When was the moment when you were like, okay, I'm going to move to the United States? And was it just, you know, for yourself or was it just because, you know, you knew that, you know, there were a lot of startup opportunities there or what was basically moving you towards the immigration besides, you know, the problems in Brazil, like political stuff? Great, great question. Actually, I think I think the problems of uh, during that time in Brazil that was one of the triggers, you know, that made me move. Uh, I, I wasn't like running out of Brazil. I love Brazil. I'm always around. I have place there. My family are there. So it's not a matter of oh, I'm I'm leaving like Venezuela or something like that, that where they have a much bigger problem. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I I never had anything closer to that. It's just a matter of uh, I really think it was a combination of factors and the the the. I think that the trigger number one was my ill to to my, my willing to leave uh, in the U.S. Uh, for a certain period of time and and try to learn with with the the, the smartest people in the business. I, I'm sure that the, uh, th those guys created venture capital a few years ago. So if I had to learn from someone and and in a, and somewhere, I think the U.S. it's the greatest school ever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's let's talk about you know post migration. What was happening after you moved here? So how how did you join eventually the start world? How did you get to the point where you've created Verve Capital? Absolutely. Uh, actually, uh, I've joined other uh, some few few angel groups when I uh, when I when I first made my investments in the U.S. because I made some investments in the past, some angel investments in the past in Brazil mm -hmm. and. And when I moved, I decided to look for some some groups that could help me out with uh, with uh, with uh, with the deal sourcing, and 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 that's when I met Miami Angels Group uh, here in Miami, and it was a game changer for me indeed. Uh, at the time, as I said, I had already made investments, but it helped me create a, a investments process framework that that changed completely the the way uh, I. Do the sourcing, uh, the investing. You know, I I I got sharper uh, on what what metrics to 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 be more uh, uh, on uh, on top of. You know, what are mm -hmm. the, the the most important things there? So, uh, and and joining these groups, I think it's the best uh, first step you can do as a as a angel investor that trying to become a, a venture capital i think you definitely have a lot to learn with this with these groups 100 percent, it's the same path for pretty much every single venture capitalist you either join an angel group or you know an angel group plus some kind of program like calvin fellows or a syndicate <laughs> standard path and I absolutely. absolutely love it, to be honest, because there's just like huge learning curve that you have to go through. But let's actually talk about that learning curve. What was the major thing that you learned about investing, especially, you know, in the United States versus the Brazil? What was the thing that was your major takeaway from the Miami Angels? Uh, as I said, the framework, the I, when, when, when I first made a, a due diligence with the group, I understand that they, it was not about uh, chatting with the founder and asking questions of, to the founder of, no, there was a complete framework where 
it, it's all there and you have to like check the boxes and you have to mm-hmm. you know, so from there then you start to realize if the, the founder is uh, you know uh, from one to ten or but there's some some very basic things that I didn't even know that it exists in in this process you know so mm-hmm. as I said I, I didn't have any any venture capital partner in my in my journey as an, an entrepreneur so I was actually learning from scratch so that's 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 the main importance for me with the with the group here mm-hmm. right so yeah once you've learned from scratch you started verve capital can you tell us a little more about what you invest in through that fund yeah sure actually verve capital uh it's it's not a fund uh so far we it's proprietary money uh it's my own money along with some mm-hmm. uh small group of friends that we decided to make those investments and we are not not looking in the short term to to create any fun okay. uh, i i think our goals are just to in the near future create a kind of fun just to deploy the money on the follow-ons on the companies that we are uh putting under uh, our portfolio so yeah, the having created the the Burp Capital was one of the best things actually that happened to me because uh, it took me a while to understand what really fueled me as a as a as a person as someone that had uh, a great liquidity in the past that is looking for some new challenges mm-hmm. and and when you look to any kind of investments as just as the profitability that you can get from that. Uh, uh, it's totally different than we when you start dealing with the founders and and starting listening to their stories and and their thoughts on the on, on on that specific industry and their ideas and and you know exchanging ideas with the founders and finding helping them finding ways to grow and I, I, I when when you lay your head on on the pillow at night and you think about like three four five things that came came up to you and and you you know make some notes and and the next day first thing in the morning you call the founder and say look I, I had an idea here on what you were discussing <laughs> yesterday and this is amazing you know this is a way I, I think uh it, it was a a way that I found that filled me you know in this with, with this entrepreneur uh will that I have you know and in the other hand I can do it in a in a scale because I'm not focused only on one problem or only in mm-hmm. one company, only one industry. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy doing this. I'm learning a lot. Uh, every day you learn, learn, we learn with founders, you learn with peers, uh, investors, and yeah, I, 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 I'm having a great time. That's literally the reason why I went to the VC field instead of, you know, just uh, joining the startup is just because you can work with so many at once and you don't get tired of them and like you can jump from one to another, fresh ideas and all that stuff. So we're definitely on the same page here. And yes, being an investor has its own really good perks, by the way. (laughs) So uh, now that we've covered that, what does it invest in in terms of uh, geography, average check size and uh, field? Sorry, Constantine. I think I missed the, the the end of your question. So you were talking about the companies, the the, the uh, I, I meant yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant what does Verve Capital invest in in terms of stage, uh, field, oh, and average check size? 
Great, great, great. Uh, actually, as I said, I like to be in touch with the founders. So I, I like to share the, the, the ideas. I like to hear from them. The, the, so I would say I w it's hard for, to, to name it because the name is changing every day. Uh, it, it used to be seed, now it's pre-seed, it's pre-seed minus, pre-seed plus, pre-seed. There's a, a lot of names. So <laughs> to be to to be more more precise here, I like to be in the stage where they already had the product market fit. They 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 want to grow, uh, but uh, they still need uh, things to get to, uh, together to, in order to 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 reach the the growth stage. You know, it's it's, it's not a matter of seed plus then you come seriously. There's a there's a way between this these two rounds which is critical you know so i think i can help a lot with relationships and and, and intros for uh, strategic uh, advisors or whatever so uh, and for, we've been agnostic since the beginning because i i do love so many industries i cannot be you know just just one industry focused because i uh, i think the world is so is changing in many different ways and so there are a lot of things that uh in many different industries that you can you can tackle very very true and yes that's that's another benefit of being industry agnostic in terms of uh geography i think on our pre-interview call you mentioned that you like to invest in brazilian startups is that right or did i forget something absolutely uh, actually half of my portfolio is in Latin America, mm -hmm. uh, mainly, mainly in Brazil, do my, my, my origin there. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a high potential market, uh, and very smart people. It's a place where the economics and, and, and all the surroundings make people more, you know, uh, make good, good founders because they have such a complexity of, 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 of issues to deal in a daily basis that those that survive they are really good <laughs> very true very true so uh let's let's talk about you know comparison between the founders in brazil versus the founders in the united states what's like the major difference that you see between those two uh, education i mean academic education first of all you in the us you see a lot of founders with the great uh, background uh, academic background coming from great schools and great in Brazil, it's harder to find it. You either find mm -hmm. the, those entrepreneurs that didn't follow this this path of going to the school and studying, but they mm -hmm. they, they 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 had to to make it their own. So it's it's a different. Uh, it's easy to to find this difference in the in the founders from the U.S. and the and Brazil and Latin America. Mm -hmm. sorry. So since, since most of our listeners are based in the United States, what do you think is one thing that you know, American founders could learn from Brazilian founders or any other founders from the third world countries? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think resilience. I think what I, mm -hmm. what I can point as the main characters of the best founders I met in Latin America is resilience, like, I mean, in a hard level. Resilience in the terms of 
you you're probably your company is gonna shut down in one month you have nothing you have no client you have no and in 29 days he come up with one client and he doesn't give up and i have a close friend that one he's a founder in brazil and he just became a unicorn and i i i saw his trajectory very close and for many 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 times he he was about to, you know, to shut down the company and to, to fire all the employees. And he was, and he never got desperate. He never got, oh my God, this is my life. Now I'm 30 something. I, that's <laughs> all I, I did for my whole life. And no, he, 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 he believes. And, and so this is amazing. This is really, really amazing. And I see it not, not a lot, but I saw that in, in few occasions in Brazil and it's amazing. That is really cool. So now that we've covered all that, I'm thinking if I have any other questions for you, especially, you know, I personally love talking about, you know, United States versus pretty much any other third world country. Um, but I think we covered all the differences there. Is there something you want to tell, you know, early stage founders here in the United States, maybe some particular advice for them? Well, as I, as I said, I've been learning this process. I've been trying to connect to as much founders as I can and try to, uh, to hear them pitching as much as I can, because I learn a lot with that. Of course, you, you get sharper on, on your diligence. You get sharper on, on the questions you get, uh, you start getting smarter on the process, but you, you also learn a lot, a lot, a lot really this is not bullshit <laughs> this is this is true <laughs> uh, and, and and i mean learn not 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 just about metrics or not just about those technical things of market size macro micro trends or or uh, industry fundamentals not, not not that you learn by looking on, on the founder's eyes and and understanding why did he decide to to launch that product why why what what's his life history you know that brought uh, him to to take this idea and to so it's a it's a daily daily uh learning process that's what I, that's how i feel it really 100 percent. what do you think by the way speaking of learning just one more question before we wrap up what do you think is the best learning resource especially for founders who are immigrating to the united states what do you think is like the thing that can teach them the most that's a super hard question. I it think it's is. super personal. Uh, the way, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you're talking about sources of, of, of information or, or whatever, but one of the things that I've been doing in the past three years a lot is consuming a lot of podcasts. I think doing the podcast, you can hear uh, peers like you, you know, or, and their experience and by, by listening and hearing their experience, you, you can, you can also learn a lot. So this is one, for me, this is one of the sources I use, you know, to get information and to, to, to get to know amazing people, amazing stories and, and get inspired as well. Yeah, that's very true. I personally listen to podcasts pretty frequently and whenever I do, I 
come up with new ideas pretty much every single time I listen to an episode. I'm like, oh, that's that's real cool. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> note it. <laughs> pretty frequently, yeah. I do reach out to the speakers who participate on those podcasts as well because usually they're very open to conversations. If you you know refer to, I mean, if you tell them how you found out and if you found out about them through the podcast, most likely they're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's cool. You you actually Absolutely. listened to what I had to say. So Absolutely. yes, uh, that's a great idea. On this moment, we're moving on to the last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. So, Marcelo, what do you want a listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Uh, I, I was I wasn't definitely ready to this last question. <laughs> as I as I said since the beginning here, uh, I'm still learning a lot. I have a lot to learn. So, uh, if, if I have any suggestions here, is go search for any podcast that you really search for the for the for the topic and try to listen yeah. like you know try to start listening sometimes you you're not gonna you know uh, identify with the with the with the speaker but i'm sure you're gonna be surprised with some positive things you're gonna get out of it absolutely great advice podcast honestly there's a solution to a lot of questions these days and that's one of the things that I recommend to founders who reach out to me with questions that I cannot answer. So like, you know, if it's someone in biotech and I just don't have enough connections in biotech asking me to help them in this field, I'm like, okay, just, you know, search this, this or few podcasts on this topic, listen to those episodes, reach out to the speakers, reach out to the host, say that, you know, the podcast is cool, but I have a few questions about it. And like 95% chance that they will actually help you out. So yes, great advice from Marcelo. Check out other podcasts. Of course, keep listening to Fundraising Radio. Um, we have a website, fundraisingradio.com. And if you're curious in some particular topic, if you're interested in some particular topic, there is an option to browse based on the topic there. So check it out. I'll leave a link to the official website of Fundraising Radio in the description of this episode. If you want to reach out to Marcelo and talk with him more, ask him additional questions, I'll make sure to leave his LinkedIn in the description of this episode as well. So yes, that's going to be my call to action. Listen to other podcasts, listen to Fundraising Radio, check out the description of this episode, and as usually, have a good day.